Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we have Jeff Evans back on the show. We've had Jeff on before. He's a fishing guide from northern Wisconsin. Uh, you find him on social media, uh, Jeff Evans Fishing Company, I believe. Anyways, Jeff, we had him on this spring and just had a fantastic conversation. Jeff is a first-class individual. He's been in the industry a really long time as a fishing guide and an ambassador of the fishing uh, industry and Jeff he just does a great job and all of his stories and recommendations they all come with just a boatload of experience and that's what I really really enjoy when it comes to talking to Jeff it doesn't matter what species we're talking about uh, you know whatever is interesting to him is interesting to me and uh, yeah this show is uh, yeah just a result of we had him on this spring we talked about the fishing uh, and everything that he anticipated for this year and so we're gonna check back in with him we're gonna we're gonna find out how things went and uh, how how northern Wisconsin is, has been fishing this year and everything that's going on there now and talk about this fall fishing this fall bite that is just a special time of year for everybody so anyways let's do it let's get into this fall fishing northern wisconsin with jeff evans one of the best let's do it if you want to enjoy all the abundant fishing and hunting opportunities that northeast south dakota has to offer there's no better place to stay than at roy lake state park come shoot your limit of ducks or pheasants then hit the lake and catch you a limit of walleyes all in a day Roy Lake State Park provides both modern cabins and suites with all the comforts of home at a reasonable price. Go to GoOutdoorSouthDakota.com to reserve your fall hunting and fishing destination. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is your one-stop shop retailer for all your outdoor needs with over 30 locations across the United States. Every single department is full of the best brands on inventory and a knowledgeable staff to give you great service, including the fishing department. For more information or to find a store near you, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's shields.com. And if you don't find a location near you, rest assured, all their best deals are online as well. So the only thing left to do is to go check them out. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you have any fishing memory or a fish that you would like to commemorate, with a replica or you have questions about getting fish replicas done reach out to jamie rizzavi from rizzavi taxidermy studio in new rockford north dakota jamie and his crew do next level work here at the jmo headquarters we are blessed to have so many replicas made by jamie reach out you can find them on social media or online at rizzavi taxidermy studio.com the link is in the description of this podcast Say is you know we talked this spring, and I said right away I was just I just really enjoyed it so much I really just wanted to get back with you in the fall and see how the year went. So that's how I want to start this out is, dude. Appreciate the conversation this spring. I took a ton away from it, and uh, I still am. And I just wanted to get back with you, like I said before, and see how the year went. So let's start there, man. How'd your year go? Yeah. Hey, Taylor. And thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Um, it has been a really, really good year of fishing. And when I say that, I, I say, I say it because it was consistent. Um, you know, sometimes you have a lot of ups and a lot of downs, a lot of times it's weather dependent or whatever the case might be. Uh, but this year just was really, really consistent fishing, um, all the way throughout, um, probably, um, ironically the toughest, 
the toughest stretch we had was last week before all these weather systems came in. It was beautiful weather to be outside. I mean, it was like high 70s, uh, even 80 degrees on some days, but there was like no wind. I mean, uh, the lakes were like glass. And we had like 10 days where catching fish was really a struggle. I mean, you could find them, you could see them on your screen, whether it was walleyes or smallmouth or crappies. Um, but boy, oh boy, it was tough catching. But then last weekend, all those weather systems started rolling in and, and what a difference. And so now we're back to catching. So last week we were fishing, this week we're catching. Right on, man. And now consistency for you, describe that a little bit. Yeah, so consistency to me is when you just have real rock solid patterns set up. Um, and so let's just talk about our inland lakes around Hayward. Uh, walleye fishing was outstanding, um, really, really good in June and July. And on most of the lakes I fished, those, all, those walleyes were set up right on those deep weed edges. Um, it was no problem finding them. Just, you know, get on a weed edge, uh, use your side imaging to pick off uh, schools of fish, uh, park on them and throw slip bobbers and leeches, um, depending on the day or jigs and leeches, or even I was catching a lot of fish um, on like quarter ounce jig heads and paddle tails. That was actually super effective for me. So just those you know, the, the, the rock solid pattern. So you knew every day, this is where I'm going to go. And this is how I'm going to fish them. Um, I did hear an interesting theory this year, and I don't know if there's anything to it or not, you know, because our, our daytime wa- uh, walleye bite was so good. And somebody mentioned, and I might've heard it a couple other times that it might've had to do with all that Canadian smoke in the air. Um, because as you know, I mean, that was all over the country. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Around here, there were days where it was just almost uh, spooky. The, the, it was, it was like, uh, like, uh, dusk and dawn all day long and the walleyes bit accordingly. So I don't know if there's anything to it or not. I just kind of thought it was an interesting observation. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, yeah, like you say, it's hard to, it's hard to argue that, right. I mean, you, you'd think, uh, of, uh, you know, some of those nicer days where there, where there's some nice cloud cover. I mean, those always kind of stretch out your, your bite windows really? at times, but yeah, yeah. That smoke, man, that was legitimate. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. One thing that uh, anytime I talk to you or, if, you know, looking forward to talking to you or talking to anybody from, you know, that part of the world or, 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 or somewhere like that, where you've got a lot of lakes, you've got, you know, some of you fishing guides, um, you know, I just have a huge appreciation for you guys that are, you're not on the same capital body of water every day, day in and day out. I mean, you know, you might spend stretches in certain bodies of water, or you might target certain species on certain bodies of water, but you're no stranger to guiding on a, on a lake that you haven't been to for a week. Tell me a little bit about that this year and just how you were able to move and groove and, and how the season went kind of bouncing around lake to lake, maybe uh, recreating some of those patterns on different lakes or, you know, moving around, uh, you know, species to species and, and, and maybe just kind of talk a little bit about how that was for you uh, with your clients this year. Yeah, so, so we're real fortunate where we live, right? In northern Wisconsin, you know, I've got access to all of the lakes around the Hayward area, literally thousands of lakes. Um, and all of those lakes are kind of their own unique environment. And then you have Lake Superior and Shawamigan Bay, which is a whole nother, a whole nother deal. So as far as just having places to go and being able to change things up and, and shake it up, uh, we've all got it right in our backyard. And, you know, a couple of things to your comments. You know, I, I, I learned a long time ago, Taylor, what fishing pressure does to lakes. 
And, you know, I've seen it over the years where a lake will get really popular for whatever reason and guys are catching fish and the locals are fishing it and the, and the people that are visiting are fishing it. And over time, that lake just fizzles out, right? Because it can't handle that much pressure. It can't handle that much harvest, whatever the case might be. And I just, I learned a long time ago to play the long game and never get stuck in one spot for too long just because of that fact. Even though it may be kicking out a good bite, I don't want to be a part of the problem, if you know what I mean. So, so what I'll do is I'll just intentionally uh, shake things up and, and kind of think about things too. Like in the Hayward Lakes area, you have a lot of clear water lakes. You have a lot of stained water lakes. Those two environments fish completely differently, right? So, so our stained water lakes, for instance, earlier in the spring were really, really much, much better in producing more fish than the clear water lakes. Then it got super, super hot in June, hot and dry. And then the rolls kind of flipped. The clear water lakes were producing better than the stained water lakes because the stained water lakes got too hot too quick. So, so it's just kind of as you're moving through the season and you're just trying to stay diverse, uh, you're trying to shake things up a little bit every day. And I think, too, it makes you a better fisherman overall when you're kind of dealing with a different set of challenges um, as you move from lake to lake. Uh, you know, in Lake Superior, too, um, which is so weather dependent and susceptible to weather patterns up there, you know, we had a really, really awesome walleye bite going all the way into the middle of August. But uh, one, one thing that happened out there was we didn't have enough rain on the big lake to really start to really get that muddy water going or that stained water that I like to see. So it was it got to be hard in the middle of August to kind of locate locate big pods of fish because they were so spread out because the water was so clear. So you just you just try to adjust to what the conditions are presenting to you. And again, trying not to beat up on one particular body of water too much. Right on, man. Um, and, and what are the, you know, like if we were to say under good conditions or just, you know, average or slightly above average conditions, you know, fishing conditions, whether it's the weather, uh, you know, just the time of year, everything that's going on. If you were to compare those clear water bodies of water or the stained water lakes that you're talking about, like what are the biggest differences to your approach? Like, what are the, what are the biggest differences in terms of, you know, the ideas going into either of those lakes that you got to be prepared for? Do you feel like the pattern, the fish patterns are altogether different and you got to be looking for fish differently um, or setting your expectations? Or is it more of your techniques and maybe uh, your presentation type adjustments? What are the big differences there? I think the big difference is between stained and clear water lakes, if I could simplify it, Taylor, is I just want, want you to think about depth, depth of fish. Um, right. In a stained water lake, so right now, currently, you know, stained water lakes, I'm finding walleyes in 15, uh, 15 to 20 feet of water. Clear water lakes, I'm finding a lot of walleyes in 30 to 40 feet of water. And that 10-foot 10, that 10 increment kind of seems to hold true, give or take a little bit throughout the season. So, you know, so if I'm finding smallmouth bass in a stained water lake in five feet of water, you know, in a clear water lake, I'm going to look out in 15 feet of water. Um, and it, that really, if I wanted to make it simple for people to just make that adjustment, you know, that's, that's kind of the terms I would put it in. As far as, as, far as how you fish, um, I don't think that's a whole lot different, to be honest with you. I, I think you're your techniques and, and the patterns and all those different things are going to be essentially the same. You just got to think differently about where in the system those fish are going to be. 
Phenomenal. I think that's great advice. I think a lot of people take away from that. And it's a great reminder for those of us that are, you know, maybe think we we know, but man, for somebody that's on the water that much, man, I appreciate that. that's phenomenal advice. Um, I've got a, and I've got, I've got a, actually just a quick example for you too. I, yeah. I caught myself, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I caught myself last week. Um, and I don't know if I just wasn't thinking straight or what, but I, I had a clear water lake. I was catching a lot of big crappies on and I was finding those fish in 25 feet consistently, 25 feet, 25 feet. So the next day I switched up to a different lake that I know has crappies on it. And it's a stained water lake. And I go right out to that 25 to 35 foot basin and I'm looking around and looking around and looking around and I'm not seeing anything. And I was getting a little frustrated with it. And then, I'm, then the light bulb goes on. I'm like, what are you doing? I headed in the 15 feet of water and bang, there they were instantly. Talk a little bit about, you know, how the year went and how that is sort of helping you anticipate this fall and what you think you're going to see here for the next month or six weeks. Well, I think that I think the next month is going to be really, really interesting from a standpoint of we had this warm weather really hang on now. Right. It's been beautiful. It really hasn't gotten all that cold yet. And if you look at the 10 day forecast, I think we got a big, a big shakeup coming here in about a week. So I expect there maybe to be some challenging times around mid-October if, if the forecast holds true. Just anytime you have drastic weather changes, right, it's going to change up fishing. And how these lakes turn over also really can affect how the fishing goes. Last year, October was really a struggle. And just, you know, just finding fish, catching fish. And I kind of blamed it on, I thought that the lakes just took forever to turn over. And if that turnover takes a long time, I just I think it just puts fish in kind of a not active mood. And if that turnover happens a little more quickly, sometimes it can get us kind of over the hump into the finish line a little bit quicker, if that makes sense. So I guess I'm kind of hoping that we have a quick changeover, uh, get these lakes to cool down a little quicker than they did last year, and then get that really, really good late fall season bite going those last couple of weeks of October. I mean, are you targeting, like, are you switching over targeting walleyes exclusively in the fall, or are you, do you kind of maintain that multi-species approach, uh, you know, with, with your guide service? I, I maintain it all the way through, Taylor. I, I just, it's, it's hard for me, right, because if I'm catching walleyes, I'm thinking about what the smallmouth are doing. If I'm catching yeah. crappies, if I'm catching crappies, I'm thinking about what the muskies are doing. So it's going to be a real healthy mix of crappies, walleye, smallmouth, and muskies from here to the end. And, you know, it, it makes every day fun and interesting. And, you know, you're excited to get to work every day, uh, just the anticipation of what you might run into. Right on. Let's uh, let's maybe narrow it down. We'll maybe go maybe like species by species. And you, you can pick whatever you think is the most interesting or fun to talk about. But, you know, I mean, I'm always interested in the walleyes a little bit. If we're going to talk fall walleyes, um, you know, even if we step back and it's more of the, you know, we kind of generalize, you know, typically what you see in the fall and, and just, uh, you know, when you go into those fall bites, the more classic patterns, if you will, when they arrive, um, what is your approach? What's your arsenal? Like what, what do you plan on doing? Where do you plan on going? What are the, what, what, what do the, la- the type of lakes that you like to go and look for them? Um, you know, g- give me a little bit of a rundown of your fall walleye approach. Yeah. So, so right now, right now we have two different types of walleyes. I I say we have, we have deep walleyes and shallow walleyes 
and this is just a real historic, historically consistent pattern that always happens in early fall. And we're catching walleyes out in 30 to 40 feet of water, uh, depending on the lake. And we're also uh, getting some walleyes up in the weeds in like 15, 16, 17 feet of water. So you've got two different approaches there. So I, I would really, really suggest you keep your mind open to that. First thing I'll usually do when I start the day, if we're just specifically targeting walleye, is I'll, I'll get out in that deep water and I'll just start cruising around looking for fish. And if I'm finding big concentrated schools of fish on, this, on, my, on my electronics, um, you know, I'll anchor up on them and we'll start fishing them. But if I'm seeing fish really spread out and really scattered, I'll say heck with it and I'll start to get on some weed lines. And if you can find a wind-blowing weed line, I'm even better. My favorite way is to drift, uh, to catch them right now, is to drift over those wind-blowed uh, weed lines, uh, drift in a small, light jig head with a big sucker minnow on it. You can just cover, cover a lot of water doing that, and then you can kind of slowly dial it in as you're getting bites, right? Right on. I mean, do you kind of have a bit of a rhyme or reason? I mean, talk about drift fishing. I mean, is that, uh, you know, every day is a little different. The wind is going to, you know, kind of hit different angles. There's going to be more. There's going to be less. I mean, um, you know, for you, is speed a big deal? If the if the wind ain't blowing much, are you, you know, getting on that bow mount a little bit? Maybe talk a little bit about some of those fundamentals of boat control and, and just kind of how you sort of like to operate. Yeah. So yeah, really good question. So my, my absolute, absolute ideal situation in the fall is a 10 to 15 mile an hour wind rolling up on a, on a rocky reef or on a, on a, on a weed bank um, that juts out into the main lake basin. Uh, That is just the ideal situation for me, whether, you know, if I can blow down along the edge, perfect. But a lot of times the wind's not going to let you do that. So I'll just kind of zigzag patterns drifting up on top of it. Now, when that wind dies, it's a killer. So probably your only option, and I don't like it as much, but you got to do what you got to do, is I'll get on the trolling motor and I'll long line those light jigs out the back and just kind of work meticulously uh, along those weed edges, maybe like one to one and a half mile an hour. And I suppose there's probably a few different terms for what you call that. I think maybe the bass guys call it strolling. Um, I think I've heard some other terms. I call it snap jigging. So we've got a long line back behind the boat. We've got a, a sucker minnow on a light jig head. We're just kind of snapping that thing along the weed edge. And a lot of times when you get hung up in the weeds, you snap it out of the weeds and bang, you'll feel that walleye grab it. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is your one-stop shop retailer for all your outdoor needs with over 30 locations across the United States. Every single department is full of the best brands on inventory and a knowledgeable staff to give you great service, including the fishing department. For more information or to find a store near you, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's shields.com. And if you don't find a location near you, rest assured, all their best deals are online as well. So the only thing left to do is to go check them out. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you have any fishing memory or a fish that you would like to commemorate, 
with a replica or you have questions about getting fish replicas done, reach out to Jamie Rizzavi from Rizzavi Taxidermy Studio in New Rockford, North Dakota. Jamie and his crew do next level work here at the JMO headquarters. We are blessed to have so many replicas made by Jamie. Reach out. You can find them on social media or online at RizzaviTaxidermyStudio.com. The link is in the description of this podcast. If you want to enjoy all the abundant fishing and hunting opportunities that Northeast South Dakota has to offer, there's no better place to stay than at Roy Lake State Park. Come shoot your limit of ducks or pheasants, then hit the lake and catch you a limit of walleyes all in a day. Roy Lake State Park provides both modern cabins and suites with all the comforts of home at a reasonable price. Go to GoOutdoorSouthDakota.com to reserve your fall hunting and fishing destination. You're talking about the cadence and everything else. And I mean, are you real particular with some of your gear? You know, I mean, you you get such a variety pack, you know, where you have clients in the boat. You're always fishing. You know, everybody's got a line. Do you feel like you have a tried and true setup that is across the board, just outperforms everything? Or are you one of those guys that kind of maybe, you know, this person has a different weighted jig head or this person has a longer leader, this person has mono, this person has braid. I mean, do you really mix it up like that a little bit or do you kind of have a recommendation that's kind of tried and true? Yeah, so I I definitely, definitely have a tried and true recommendation. I mean, I completely understand with all of the uh, specialized equipment that we have, you're going to have to excuse my Labrador. They're shaking her. (laughs) That's all right. She decided she was done listening to me talk. So, but uh, no, I definitely have a tried and true presentation or, or I'm sorry, setup. Um, I catch probably 90% of my fish on a, on a 610 medium light spinning rod with a 2000 series reel. I uh, use that for smallmouth, use it for walleyes with a variety of presentations throughout the year. So if somebody's looking for, for one thing that they're going to buy and use consistently throughout the year, that's what I would suggest. I mean, I completely understand with all the specialized equipment we have now, uh, you can really, really dial things in specifically to jig, uh, to, to lure weight, lure dynamics and all those things. But for me, I just kind of need something that, that does everything, you know, kind of that one size fits all tool. And for me, that 610 medium light spinning rod with a 2000 series reel is, is the number one go-to. You know, in a 610 rod, you know, like you said, I mean, a lot of everybody's got a lot of rods in their rod locker these days. It's impressive how the setups everybody's got. But you're a guide, you know, you got it. You get a lot of, you know, clientele that maybe don't fish a whole lot outside of fishing with you. You know, that that 610, that, that's a fairly long rod. What do you feel like you get out of that versus, um, you know, somebody that likes to keep things kind of you know, closer in, you know, some of that, that, those those shorter rods or, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, fanatical, you know, seven plus foot rod, you know, jig rod guys out there. I mean, what, what do you feel like you get out of that setup that is just so universal? Well, I think that, I think that 610 just gives you the best of both worlds, right? So it's, it's a little more forgiving on the hook set. Um, I think that's one thing that I, that I think about it. Uh, the other thing is it still gives you that ability to cast distances like a seven foot rod and, um, and a little more sensitive maybe than, than that shorter rod is for some people. I think it, I think it just kind of is that middle ground area that kind of meets all the expectations that you have. Right on. 
I agree. I agree 100%. I feel like that that 610 medium or, you know, medium light, I just feel like you can fight so many fish on it. You can fight yeah. a big fish. You know, there, you know, I can't, again, I just got to revisit. I just really enjoy talking to you. I enjoy talking to anybody that fishes that part of the world because it's such a multi-species deal. Like, it, you know, it's like you, every time you set the hook, it could be, or you got three guys in the boat and everybody sets the hook at once. You got a triple, you could have a four pound smallie, you could have a six pound walleye and you could have, somebody could have like a muskie or something. You know, it's like you just yeah. never know. And, and, uh, and it happens, you know, stuff like that happens when you're fishing like that. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, even in Minnesota, I think of Iowa, you know, it's like anywhere you go, it's a multi-species deal in the fall. Fish are hungry and, uh, yeah, you just got to be ready to set the hook and, uh, and fight a fish regardless of what it is. So I, that's a great, in great recommendation. I appreciate that, Jeff. I mean, you know, if you ever color outside of those lines, though, we're talking, you know, tried and true setup, um, you know, throwing a, a nice light jig head with a sucker minnow at the back. I mean, you, you hardly can hardly beat it. If you ever go outside of that, anything else, any any other one two punch? Do you are you do you ever troll cranks? Do you ever anything else that you do besides that uh, in the fall or look forward to doing in certain situations? Yeah, for sure. So if 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 I if I have a day where I get away from the snap jigging that we were talking about, I'd like to do a lot of Lindy rig fishing. Um, again, if you can use that wind to your advantage, and I usually use like a half ounce pencil sinker uh, just to avoid getting snagged up too much. Uh, but boy, what a what a versatile way to catch both walleyes and smallmouth bass this time of year. Um, and when I'm Lindy rigging, I'll use a seven foot rod there. I just think it gives you a little better hook set in those situations. So uh, Lindy rigging is just, again, it's kind of a tough, a tough thing to beat when you're trying to cover water and when you're just trying to effectively present baits in front of fish. And boy, don't ever, ever forget about fishing a slip bobber. Um, I just, we catch so many fish throughout the season, uh, spring, summer, fall on a slip bobber. If you can anchor up or park over a school of fish in deep water, boy, I can't think of a better, a better thing to do than throw out a, a big sucker minnow on a slip bobber about a foot off bottom. What's your slip bobber setup if you're fishing sucker minnows? I mean, we're, we're talking like, well, like a medium sucker or like a large sucker. Like if you buy at the bait shop, maybe like a five to seven inch minnow, like, like, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, but what's your setup for that? I mean, even your leader material, what size weights you use, use jigs or bare hooks. Like what's your setup for a minnow bobber setup? Yeah. So I'll try to, I'll try to describe it to you as accurately as I can. Uh, we're using like four to five inch sucker minnows usually here in Wisconsin. That's, I mean, just simply because that's what the bait shops usually carry. And yeah, and my slip bobber setup is going to be a seven foot rod. And I've got that spooled up with 30 pound Seaguar Smackdown. And the bobber that I'll use is a quarter ounce fill uh, wobble bobber. I've been using those for a long time. I just like how they cast. I like how they sit in the water. And then below the, below the slip bobber, I'll attach an inline egg sinker on a barrel swivel. Uh, the ones that I get are from Amy's Tackle, A-M-Y-S. And what it'll be is it'll be a quarter ounce egg sinker, and it basically has a, a barrel swivel built into it, okay? So you're avoiding a lot of different line twists. And then that bobber will stop uh, on that barrel swivel as it slides down, if you can picture that. 
So then on the business end of the barrel swivel, I'll have a 12-inch piece of fluorocarbon, um, and it'll be Seaguar and Vizex, usually your Seaguar gold label, an 8- or 10-pound test, and then a number two hook. And that's basically how I set up all my slip bobbers for walleye fishing, and that's throughout the season. Right on. What do you feel like, I mean, you're talking about, you know, running a number two, um, you know, plain hook, um, you know, a 12 inch liter, you know, 12 inches of liter material, like, you know, what is it about that particular way of setting it up that you feel like makes it successful versus like, uh, I mean, what are some mistakes that you made too long a liter, uh, not enough, uh, you know, you you're talking about a pretty heavy duty main line. I mean, maybe describe a little bit how you kind of have come to, maybe you got some stories you could tell like that, you know, you've come to this type of setup that has been successful for you. Yeah. It, it's a super, it's a really good question because, Slip barber fishing, as basic as it may seem, can have some complexities to it. Anybody that has slip barber fished enough will know that the biggest frustration is tangled. Yeah. You have so many, you have so many uh, different moving parts, right? And if everything gets going in the wrong direction at the same time, you can end up with some uh, catastrophic tangle that you spend half your day trying to get out. So this is kind of the smoothest, cleanest way I've been able to, to, to rig it up. Now, it's not perfect by any means, but I think I get less tangled. I think I get a more natural presentation that way. Um, and I really like that quarter-ounce egg sinker on the swivel, um, particularly, you know, one, because of, of less line twist and less, less tangles. And then the other thing is that quarter-ounce weight kind of perfectly balances that quarter-ounce bobber in the water so basically, a fish just has to breathe on that minnow, and that bobber's going to go down. Right on, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you. I mean, I it, no matter how many conversations I have on this podcast about slip bobbering, it's very situational. It's very regional. You know, you know, there, there's just so many um, ways to do it to be effective in all these different scenarios, different situations you can be in on different bodies of water. It's just, uh, it's actually one of my, f- my favorite conversations to have because slip bobbering is, it's a very, it's becoming, it's coming back as a really popular, you know, like it once was, um, you right. know, it's, it's really with forward sonar nowadays. It's so, such a popular thing, but yeah, everybody does it different and every state's different, you know, over in Wisconsin, you have the availability of different, you know, live bait options. You have sucker minnows, you have, you know, you have different minnow types and, and that's a you know that's definitely um it's probably a, you know that that's phenomenal information you know you think about over here in the Dakotas you know we can use a fathead minnow or a creek chub if you can go f- get some creek chubs um but uh there's not a whole lot of running them under a bobber but i feel like if somebody could dial it in you'd be deadly in a lot of oh, situations yeah for sure, for sure. And I was going to mention too, Taylor, one thing I, I get a lot of comments on, I, I just, I guess I take it for granted. Um, when I, when I'm sitting on my slip bobbers and one of the reasons we like slip bobber fishing so much is how precise you can be. You know, if you see those fish are five feet off the bottom, you can set that bait exactly five feet off the bottom. Or if they're closer to bottom, you can set that bait directly, you know, directly just off bottom. But one of the things I do to, to get that precision and depth is I just use a simple ice fishing depth finder. So I've got those little clip-on uh, ice fishing depth finders. I've got them all over my boat um, in every different location. 
So when I when I get on top of a school of fish, I can quickly clip that onto my hook, drop it down. I can set that slip knot exactly where I want it and get that line in the water and have the confidence I know I've got that bait hanging right in front of those fish. Right on, man. That'll never be a lost art, you know. Like like I said, it's like forward sonar is definitely a big part of like slip bobber nowadays and being precise. But it's also if you don't have forward sonar, we're learning en- enough about it. We're learning how to do it. Like never, never go if you got slip bobbers on your mind. Never, never leave the boat ramp without a couple of those depth bombs or whatever they call them. You know, like you said, yeah, yeah, you just yeah. if you have something like that. It will just add so much to your versatility. And, yeah, absolutely phenomenal recommendation right there. What else, man? What else would be a great talker? Maybe we can switch up species a little bit and maybe talk more directly to something else, maybe smallmouths or, or crappies, um, you know, or, you know, you spend a little bit of time on muskies. But, yeah, like any anything like that, the crappies or smallmouth that we could give a little love to, just something that – um, you know, is sort of your, your approach, your, your, your arsenal things that you, uh, you know, when you're targeting those specific species or you, you pick it. Yeah, well, for sure. I guess I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go on recency, uh, last week, you know, when we had the big weather change and the walleyes turned on, but you know what else turned on? It was an absolutely insane smallmouth bass bite. Um, really, really crazy. And one thing, again, it was a light bulb moment for me. And even though, you know, you've, you've been doing this so many years and you think you've kind of got things figured out season to season, but sometimes you forget about the simplest things. And a couple of weeks ago, smallmouth bass fishing was all about rocks, rocks, rocks. If you could find any type of rocky structure and five to 10 feet of water, there was going to be smallmouth there. Well, then they got kind of tough to find. And I was scratching my head, having a hard time really consistently getting on fish. And then I thought about weeds. Why am I not checking out the weeds? So I did a drift up over a, over a weed bed in 10 to 12 feet of water. And holy cow, I, I feel like every smallmouth bass in that lake was sitting right there. And that pattern just kind of continued throughout the rest of the week. So I would really tell smallmouth guys, I know that, I know that the rock structure or even wood structure sometimes gets really ingrained in their head. But especially in the fall, do not forget about checking out weeds, especially if you're losing fish or you're not finding fish in your traditional stuff you're looking at, because there's just so much life going on in those green weeds right now. I just think it's a magnet for those smallmouth bass. You know, what do you think it is? Like, are you, you know, with the smallmouth, are, are, is locating bait or getting all those signs of life and putting that whole pattern together? Like, are, are, are you trying to figure out what it is that they're eating, matching that forage base, you know, matching the hatch, so to speak? Or what is kind of your, what's kind of your strategy there with really, um, when you're really getting after the smallmouth? Yeah, so I I think I think what's going on, Taylor, is as the water starts to cool down and they start to get a little bit shorter, all those little perch that are in a lot of our a lot of our lakes that's kind of the main forage, and all these little perch are starting to congregate up into these weed beds again. And as you as you're reeling in a lot of these smallmouth bass, you see them coughing up all these little perch. So I got I gotta believe that's the main draw. And I even you know I had a day where we backed off a little bit and threw on the suspending jerk baits like Rappala X-Raps, and they were just absolutely crushing those number 10 X-Raps. So I got to believe those, those small those small perch, those four to eight-inch perch are probably the big turn on. Anything else, man? We're doing so good for time here. We can we can talk about anything else if you want to. Um, 
Anything else that you just find to be the most fun thing about fall in your part of the world, like the mo- the most interesting thing going on nowadays, or just what it is about fall that you just really, really like after the career you've had? Well, I just, I, I get so excited about this time of year because it's like, what do you pick what you want to do? And it's probably going to be happening. Uh, you know, last week, just a super example, a walleye, smallmouth, uh, phenomenal crappie fishing. And we had, we musky fished one day last week. I hadn't had a musky trip in quite a while. And we put uh, four nice muskies in the net and should have had five. Yours truly blew the fifth one. So uh, so I, I just think, you know, the beauty of driving around northern Wisconsin, the fall colors are just spectacular. Uh, it's like you're driving through a, 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 a movie uh, every day as you're looking at all the crazy colors that are out there. Uh, the fishing's good, and it just doesn't really, it, it just doesn't matter what you want to try. It's probably going to be happening. Right on, man. I love it. I think we can I think we can end it with that right there because you said it all. It's a beautiful place in the world that's full of fish, full of lakes, full of opportunity. And um, you know, for anybody that's looking for an area to go fishing this fall, uh, or you know, it, you're probably a little bit booked up, but if anybody wanted to get a hold of you to ask questions or to see if you had availability, anything like that, man. Uh, maybe just uh, kind of we'll just end it that way promote yourself or